and welcome to Frontier War Stories, episode 30. And before I go on any further, I'd just like to uh, give a disclaimer uh, to anybody that is listening to this podcast for the first time, or who has been listening to this uh, since the beginning, uh, you are well aware of uh, the the heavy um, content that we talk about in this podcast. We will be talking about massacres. We'll be, we may be mentioning the names of uh, perpetrators as well as uh, some of the people, Aboriginal people who have died at the hands uh, of, of the frontier. As I mentioned, this is episode 30. Uh, and I'd like to pay my respects to the country in which this podcast uh, is being uh, recorded on and where my guest is from and also the listeners. I would also like to uh, pay my respects to all the Aboriginal people who fought uh, in the frontier wars, which began as early as 1788 and lasted till the 1930s. That's roughly 140 years that Aboriginal people continued to fight. I'd also like to acknowledge all of our mob across this beautiful continent today. Each episode, I speak with different Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people uh, about research, books, oral histories, which document the first 140 years of conflict and resistance. These times are the frontier wars, and these are our war stories. My guest uh, is an Indigenous rights campaigner who for many years has been fighting to raise the criminal age, the criminal responsibility. Sorry, the criminal age of responsibility from ten years, to, from ten years old to fourteen year old to fourteen year olds. Also, been fighting to keep kids in community and not in prison, and also uh, for culturally uh, respected uh, and culturally supported programs uh, that benefit. Not just the young people, but the community around them. Um, Uncle Rodney Dillon, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, and just for the listeners, um, I've interviewed Uncle Rodney extensive uh, 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 for, for, for quite a while over the last couple of years on the old radio, uh, uh, at the old radio station I used to work at. Um, um, and Ux with Amnesty International doing some amazing work to uh, fight for our young people. But thanks for coming on, Unc. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And thanks to your people that's listening. And just really quickly, Unc, tell us your mob, your country, and where you're from, please. Yeah, my ancestors, my family come from the northeast of Tasmania, um, around Little Muscle Row Bay. So we're Trawulaway people from that area. And uh, my great great great-grandmother was taken to Waibalina and she had the first child in the mission over there. So when they took us, when people was being shot here, um, they took people over to Waibalina because they thought that, you know, they'd keep some of our people um, over there. And they went over there under the conditions that when they come back, they would be living in peace on the north and they'd have all the northeast coast of Tasmania. But unfortunately, when they come back, that didn't happen. And they was taken off their lands and moved down to Oyster Cove. So our families have lived down around here for about the last five or six generations. So we live now down in the southeast, and we was originally from the northeast. So that's a Tanganatara and Grandmother Smith. Grandmother Smith was the first kid born on that mission, and um, her daughter was Mary Jane. She was one of about 12 kids, and Mary Jane had a son, Charlie, and Charlie had a daughter, Enid, and that's my mum. So that's my relationship with the northeast to my people. 
Mm. Thanks for that, Unc. Um, yeah, and we're, we are going to be talking about um, some heavy things. Um, we're talking about you know some warriors, some massacres, uh, also some of the perpetrators and how we remember them today, um, weighed up to how we remember our Aboriginal people at that time. Because, you know, you just eloquently put it, you know, your connection to uh, the part of the north side of the island um, through the first mission, you know. Uh, we can pinpoint, you know, our locations and, you know, where our mob come from through that yarn that's always been passed down. Um, you know, that connection that we have, you know, is so strong and, and can't be broken. Uh, I guess I guess first up, because, well, yeah, we were talking briefly just before uh, off air and you were talking a bit about um, how settlers like to sort of name things after them and, and how they're remembered as well. You did mention um, uh, Cape Grimm um, and yeah. how it's a, like a food product now. Yeah. Yeah, they drove our people off the cliff there. Like in the blood stains were still on those cliffs for years after. And the spirits of those people when you go there today, it's a very, very sad place to go and hence the name Cape Grimm. You know, I don't think you could name something more appropriate for what they done. And they drove them people, men, women and children off that cliff and they dropped hundreds of feet down onto the rocks um, below. You know, the horrificness of that. And then they name, they name a food product, Cape Grimm Beef, after it and they sell it all around. And very proud of it. Cape Grim Beef, you know, this is a this is a special name for our product, you know. So it's they've learnt nothing from what they've done to our people and they're actually proud of it. And I think by driving that down our Aboriginal people's throat, we don't forget um, of what they've done and, and how that food product um, represents who they are and who they come from. Mm, definitely, you know, um, I always uh, say this thing as well, and one of my uh, previous guests, you know, said really well that uh, we always get told to get over it, but how could we get over it when everything around us is named after them or celebrated? The parks we walk in, the bridges we drive over, you know, the uh, uh, the parks where the playgrounds are where our children play in, you know, um, the streets that we walk down, sometimes some of these institutions are named after well-renowned explorers or governors, but to us, these people are mass murderers. They are mass murderers. That's right. And I'll give you an example. The Batman Bridge here in Tasmania. Batman was one of the worst people towards Aboriginal people. There was, you know, and I think that uh, naming the bridge after him, and he, he, then he went to the mainland, to Melbourne, um, and kept doing it over there. So I think that, you know, that's still those things. And, there's not many places in the world where they name things after mass murderers. And they wasn't settlers, they was invaders, you know. They they started trying to educate us to call them settlements. There was never a settlement. You don't have a settlement with a gun. You have a settlement with a borrow. And that pushing down on us and putting their foot on our necks continuously. Um, and it still happens today. I mean, you have a look at the 500 or so people that's died in the in the prison system. You know, that's mass murder in the last 30 years. And they're still getting away with it because it's been acceptable for 200 years to kill our people. So the norm doesn't change. It's just, look, they're just Aboriginal people. Why do we worry? Mm. Oh, definitely, Unc. You know, um, one of the things that I learned as well through the podcast was um, 
how Aboriginal people were a part of the convict system. Uh, and not just our mob, but other Indigenous men from New Zealand, I believe Hawaii, South Africa and other parts of the British colony were brought here as punishment to spend the rest of their lives, um, you know, slave labour, uh, uh, you know, in the prison camps, the, 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 the convict camps here uh, and had to work the rest of their lives as well. And, you know, um, it, was, it was early as like 1852 they started sort of looking at you know, hey, wait a minute, Aboriginal people are already dying at a high rate in police custody, you know, um, maybe or, um, the convict system, maybe we should look at, you know, changing up what, uh, uh, how we're locking them up or how we're brutalising them as well. So this whole thing of, you know, um, investigating Aboriginal people dying in custody isn't new. You know, they, they, they've always, you know, I guess, known what they've been doing and, you know, it's, um, sadly it seems as if it's business as usual you know, um, they've got a continent that uh, has, you know, nearly all trains, you know, uh, on it, um, has many resources uh, on it as well, um, has fertile land to grow, you know, food and livestock. And, you know, if they didn't have any blackfellas here, then they can get this continent for free. And um, one thing that we can honestly say is at, at, one, at no point in time, for the first 140 years or even through the, the last 250 years that our mob lay down and dined, you know, um, cop, cop it sweet or whatever, you know, we, we fought and we continue to fight uh, to this day as well. Yeah. Uh, never, sorry. Yep. It never stops, does it? Mm, never stops, never stops. One thing that I want to ask you too, Unc, you know, like um, Blackfellas are always told about these areas, you know, um, Cape Graham or down home, yep. there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a place called Jin's Leap and you can imagine, you know, yep. how that name came about and, and who was thrown off those mountains. Um, yep. We have Slaughterhouse Creek. Um, yep. Bow Creek. Yeah, which is just about an hour, maybe two, from Mile Creek, which happened six months after, six to five months after uh, the same year. Um, you know, like we know these places because our old followers... I say, you know, don't go over there because that's where, you know, they killed our mob. You know, um, growing up, was this something similar uh, uh, for you fellas down that way as well? The mob fellas always warn you not to go to to that river or to those rocks or to those caves or... Yeah, there's certainly Mark's Hole is a place down home where they drove some of the people up into there and mum always talks about about never going up in there. You know, and we, we as kids would never go in that area because of the of how they slaughtered our people there. But there's lots of those places, isn't there? Right around the country, um, you see it continuously. And we we know of those places. The Thumbs down the east coast of Tasmania here, mm. Wataman in the middle where they drove the people. And when they got them up in the hills, they shot them in the hills up there. You know, like dogs. You know, they no no human being would do that to kill people for their land, you know. And if someone goes into a bank today and shoots someone, they're charged with murder. But these people got away with murdering our people for no reason but to take their land off them. And they was very cruel and inhumane to, to men, women and children. And our people were very scared and living in that, you know, to live for thousands of years in a place and then to be living on the run and being shot at for, 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 having, for having the land. Like, they're the reasons. And like you say, there's people then, and then they put them up on brass statues in the park to represent who we are. 
Governor Macquarie, Macquarie Street. Mm. These people still, you know, still reek, the, the blood still reeks of these people um, mm. and how we as a society accept that. And we go and have a look at houses today, which are heritage listed sandstone buildings, but think of the blood that was spilt to build those houses. And yet we those houses represent our history. Mm. Those houses represent a lot of pain and suffering, but no one sees that pain and suffering from that. Mm. Or even, you know, the, the fact that they're still destroying our land and blowing up sacred sites and, and all these other different things as well. Um, you know, desecrating scarred trees and, and de- directional trees and just continuing to rip up the land as well. We, you know, we, we continue to see this happen. One thing that they're really good at, you know, and obviously it's the reminder, you know, to name uh, places after them, you know, as the saying goes, the victors, you know, write the history. Um, so they deliberately leave out, you know, the, the history of, of, of our warriors and uh, of the battles that we, we won and, and when we defeated them. Um, you know, there's lots of stories about mob down in Tassie. You know, we're always hearing these stories of the Black Line and, you know, the different, various different warriors. Could you tell us some 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 stories and uh, some warriors yeah. that you know? Um... Yeah, well, Manalagana was one of those warriors and he's still got a lot of family left here today and there's still warriors trying to fight, you know, the system and how he stood up to that system and, you know, he was quite smart how he, you know, how he pushed and moved around, um, kept them on the run. Uh, they couldn't nail him to a to a certain place. He kept moving, and he lived in some pretty rugged country, and, and he could move through it quite swiftly. So, uh, he you know he was one of the warriors. But there was lots of warriors in lots of different areas that stood up and were shot as well, defending their families. You know, the families at Bowen Park in town, you know, around the head of the river there, and in the Derwent River, when they shot our people there, the people that first seen the you know. Our people dying when they're firing at them with guns. Um, and then they call that a settlement. Like, that's not a settlement. That's murder. That's mass murder. And like I say, Tasmania's still a crime scene. And we haven't, we have never wiped that crime scene away from here. And we've got, on the on the east coast, we've got where the French come ashore, um, where Marion come ashore at Marion Bay, murdered an Aboriginal person and they named the bay after him. Still Marion Bay today. And it's named after him because he murdered the fellow there. You know, they're the, they're the parts of the place. And that, that stuff sticks in Aboriginal people's throat and we never forget it. It's in the back of our mind continuously, you know. And, and usually the biggest farms was the biggest murderers because they got in and shot the people out of the area that claimed that big areas of land. So the biggest land grabs was the biggest murder of families in the early days. Mm. That's how... That's how they got the land. So that was that greed. That they was happy to kill Aboriginal people, men, women and children, so they could run their sheep on that land. Mm. And one of the reasons why I asked that, both, you know, about the sort of the stories where you were told about, you know, uh, the massacres or, or the, and the warriors is because some of these sites now are tourist destinations where, you know, Australians always come or, or, or people internationally, you know, visit these areas and, you know, they marvel over sort of the, uh, the, the scenery and, and sort of the, the, the natural sort of, uh, fauna and flora and, 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 you know, um, all these different things. And, 
yet they don't understand what really happened in these areas. And, you know, do you think in these areas, especially where lots of people visit, there should be, you know, plaques to say what happened in these areas? Yeah, they've masked history, haven't they? History's been masked through other through tourism and things like that. And, yeah, they, they should know what happened there and, and whose people suffered, you know, that there was mass murders of our people in this state. And they and they've never no one's ever been charged for killing our people. No one's ever even owned up to doing it. We know that they done it, but no one you know, history doesn't write one piece of the truth of what happened to our people. And I think that's you know, when we talk about reconciliation or treaty of truth, all this stuff's gotta be all this stuff's gotta come out. How could we have reconciliation in this country without talking about the truth? of what happened. You know, it's a, it's like a Band-Aid. We put a Band-Aid on it and expect it to heal. When we pull the Band-Aid off, the wounds are still there. The wounds have never been forgotten. And we as Aboriginal people should never forget our ancestors that that stood up in this country to fight for it, for our people. We should never, ever forget them, old people. And they stood up against the, you know, against guns when they didn't have guns. That was a lopsided war. And they knew how to murder our people. They knew how to poison our people, how to run them into gullies, which gullies to shoot them in. Um, it was a very, very sad time. And we don't, we don't, we tend to forget about it very quickly. We do, you know, because... Um... And that queen, you know, that queen. And then they want us to stand up for that same queen, that, the, that same family that was organising to kill our people. And they want us to put our hand down our heart and sing their song. You know what they can do with that song? They can jack it. You know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, um, we, we definitely took and, the full brunt of it, you know, and um, we definitely, we're definitely still here. You know, uh, one thing I say was a, a failed attempt at sort of killing us because, you know, uh, they didn't wipe us all out, so, uh, you know, sadly. They, you know, um, you know, took a lot of our, our people uh, from us um but you know like you said we sort of remember the memory uh, of those people who who stood up and fought or who just you know wanted to survive and live and you know one thing i always think about as well is just how barbaric you know the their invasion was you know like um and and, and then also i always remember how heroic and and how brave and and um um uh, resilient our people were you know because you know like and and from my understanding of of our history pre-colonization when we had disputes it was you know there was a designated area you know there, there would have maybe been a council of elders or, or somebody overseeing that and you know like the end result wouldn't be you lose your land or we enslave your people you know um but one of the important things was there's a uh, what I reckoned, you know, what I've come to believe maybe is that there was a sort of a certain area for that place, you know, it wasn't when people weren't ready or when they were, when they were sleeping. And then when these Europeans come, when these white fellas come, it was like an alien form of warfare, you know, it was uh, take no prisoners, take prisoners as well, but, you know, slaughter everybody, you know, they'll, they, they, they would come at night or they'd come first thing in the morning you know, and they, and they just slaughter everybody. Very brutal. No, you know, no, 
concept of respect, you know, and obviously, you know, they knew what they were doing because they wanted to acquire more land. But one thing I always think about is just how brutal they were. And and not just to our own mob as well. You know, they were brutal to their own kind. You know, yeah. um, they brought their own mob in chains. You know, they slaughtered their own people. And they continue to do that today as well. But that's one thing I always think about, just how brutal they are. I, I wonder about their values as well. Like they could go out and shoot Aboriginal people, men, women and children, shooting babies at blank point with a gun and then going home and nursing your own kids. Mm. where does that value of any of that lie? And well, then that history being dissolved. Oh, we just, we won't talk about it. If we leave it for enough, you know, a couple of hundred years, people will forget about it and no one will take responsibility for it and everything will be fine. And then, and then we still have that thing about wanting to have Australia Day to celebrate what we've done to these people. And we still want to lock up 10-year-old kids just to prove to them native that if they don't behave themselves, we'll lock them all up and we'll create a we'll create a criminal system where we lock them up for the rest of their life. Definitely, you know, like it, that says so much about who they are and and their identity and their, their history and their culture. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know uh, that goes back to before they even got here. You know, and that's what I mean by just how brutal they were. They were, they were, they were really brutal to their own people. You know, uh, for, for hundreds of years, just white followers just fighting, maybe thousands of years, all over Europe. You know, and then... Look what they've done to the Irish people. That's it, Unc. You know, all those white followers over there in Europe, you know, uh, uh, as well, everywhere, before they, you know, set on, you know, um, murdering and pillaging and invading, you know, other lands where people were of colour. You know, um, they did it to themselves. So yeah, that's one thing as well, like... We know we're in a position, in a process of colonisation, you know, as Aboriginal people, but white fellas forget that they're going through that, they've already been through that process of being colonised and, and being brutalised. And, that, and that's, why they, that's why they accept such a brutal reality. That's why they normalise 10-year-olds getting locked up, over 500 black fellas in 30 years dying in police and prison custody, um, you know, celebrating the genocide of a people you know, uh, continuously on a day on the 26th of January. Um, you know, it makes it, your blood, doesn't it? Oh, to it see does. them all run those flags stuck in the window of their cars and not even know what it represents. And that's because history, the truth of history, hasn't been told. I think that, you know, and I'm glad that I haven't got that hatred in me to want to shoot my neighbour to claim his piece of land. I'm glad that I am not like that. And I think that. You know, those people that was like that. Um, and they, and then they're put up on plaques around the town. And when when Billy Lanner passed and and Crowder cut his skull out of his head, and yet now we've got that statue of Crowder in Hobart. And, you know, they're now starting to recognise, the council's starting to recognise that perhaps we shouldn't have these there to represent these people. Mm-hmm. Do you think nowadays there's more of a change and a swing towards um, our issues as Aboriginal people and our history? It swings and roundabouts, I think. It depends on what part of government's in. Um, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago when they wanted to spend $50 million just up from Sydney and put up a big statue of Captain Cook. 
how much Aboriginal housing would 50th million have helped to, to how many people well, have kids out of Or even kids out of care and, and kids out yep. of prison. Yep. But no, they want to put that stamp of Captain Cook, you know, up. So things things happen. And that wasn't that long ago. What, that been 18 months ago that they were still talking about putting that mm, yeah, for his, for his, statue on? Yeah, for his 200th anniversary. So I don't think we're that far. You don't have to skim down very far to find the racism um, of how they want to instill that in us to make sure we don't forget for what they've done to us. And every year they remind us on Australia Day, this is what we've done to us and we're proud of it and we'll sing and dance and drink to that. Hmm. Oh, definitely. It's, you know, like like I said, like we are talking about, it's their history, it's their identity, it's all they know. Their DNA. Yeah, 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 yeah it is, it is. I think it's in the core of them, sadly, you know. Some, you know, white fellas wake up and, and understand and realise, you know, how bad it, it, it is and, you know, become allies and, and supporters and, you know, we're very thankful for that. Um, but, you know, there's still another 26 million out there um, that want to still vote, you know, um, for parties that, you know, not just discriminate against us, but them but them as well and, you know, or, or support institutions that, still lock up 10-year-olds and, and, and sadly kill our mob in prison and police yep. custody. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's it's how long, you know, should they accept that for? You know, we, 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 we've, we've always, you know, there's always been that line in the sand for us. You know, since yep. the day they got here, we drew that line. Here we are today, the 28th day of May, 2022, and we're still locking up 10-year-old kids all around Australia. And some states wanted to drop it down to eight. Yeah, it's crazy. We've got kids that have been in solitary confinement. We've got kids that have moved from Kununurra down to Banksia in Perth, you know, thousands of kilometres, and for very little. And we still, and we know that some of these kids are at risk, and yet we do nothing about addressing the issues and we turn them into career criminals because we can. Mm, you know, and, and and it's nothing new as well. When they were locking up Aboriginal men um, in uh, as a part of the convict system, they was also locking up 10-year-olds, you know. Yep. Um, they, they, they brought 18-year-old kids out here as prisoners from London. You know, not much has changed. Mm. And they've learnt nothing because they hide behind those brass those badges, yeah, those badges and those bars, yeah. they hide behind them. And you'll do as the authority says, or otherwise we'll lock you up. And, you know, you have a look. You have a look at history, where they've done that. You know, have a look at Palm Island. When the people stood up, we'll drive you onto Palm Island or we'll put you somewhere, we'll put you on Wadalina. We'll put you somewhere. When you when you're misbehave, we'll send you somewhere um, that you'll, you know, and it'll be a detriment to you for the rest of your life. Mm, and, and just on sort of, you know, when we're talking about uh, how they, you know, how the majority of people accept sort of, you know, the 26th of January and what has happened and what continues to happen to black followers, we also got to remember it was legal to, to, to steal kids and to, to remove families off country and put them in missions and, you know. Um, it's, it's, you know still, it's still legal today to take Aboriginal kids. Of course, definitely. Yeah. Kids are in out of own care today. Because they think that they know best. How many kids in an out-of-home care commit crime 
because they're at loss, because no one's looking after them in out-of-home care. And who's the, who's the organisations that's making money out of out-of-home care? It's not Aboriginal people. And those people should sleep very, very lightly. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah, and just sort of bringing it back, Unc, as well. Um, you know, I've been doing this podcast for the last two years now. And, you know, it, it's been received really well. You know, schools use it, universities use it. I've gone into some schools and run some uh, workshops with them about Frontier Wars as well. How important is it, you know, for this to be in the school system? You know, our history, especially the, you know, the, the, the Frontier Wars and, and not just the massacres, you know, but the warriors and the battles that we won as well. Yeah, it's, it's vitally important that we have the truth of history. Yeah, you know, we've got to stop telling kids lies in schools. We've got to start telling kids the truth of the history, you know, and stop using the word settlement. It's, you know, in the word settlement, does it mean shooting people with guns for their land? Does that what settlement means? Or use the words that express what the word means, what they've done to our people. You know, try and stop, you know, Kate Grimm from having still that name today and people selling their food under that under that name and trying to, to get people recognise what, what it really means. Why, you know, why was it called Kate Grimm or why, you know, why is our history invisible in this country today? I feel like I've got no ancestors. I know my ancestors and I'm probably lucky. People that don't know their ancestors are very unlucky. But I know and I know where my ancestors come from and I know the battle that they've gone through and I know what they've written in those history books is wrong and a lie. And do we keep, do we keep preaching a lie? Um, do, the, you know, do we get the religious groups to start standing up and saying, we build our churches on stolen land and we tell you people not to steal? Do we start talking about the truth of religion in this country as well? You know, and I know religious groups are coming along and trying to help today, but I think they've just got to do more as well. And, you know, some of the ones I work with down here, the Catholics are trying to do their best, but it's a it's a big system that they're trying to beat. Mm, definitely, you know, and, um, you know, they're very complicit in the genocide or you know, the, the stealing of the land, you know, um, and also uh, other children as well, putting those dormitories. Yep. Yep, and you know, not even being able to admit, not even being able to admit the stolen generation and Kevin Rudd had had to come to that stage that, you know, oh yes, we did do that and I'm sorry for what's happened. You know, not to be able to admit the history of what's happened to our people. Their steps, their vital steps, if this country wants to mature as a country um, and have Aboriginal song and dance, it needs to start uh, working on its truth of its history to where we've come from so that everyone knows. And then you get someone like the previous Prime Minister calls us the black armband, goes to his church and sings the loudest of all, holds onto the microphone, talks about thy shall not steal, that they stole. And they was living on, and they built their church on that stolen land. But they don't want to talk about that because that's black armband stuff. Mm-hmm. Um like, what do you think knowing history and, and, and knowing the truth can do uh, for for this nation? 
it can mature the nation and bring us together and people understand then when people know the truth of history, not as many people, and some will still do it at their Australia Day thing, but a lot of people now are starting to think that this Australia Day is not really Australia Day. This is a divided country. Until we can bring people together through the, the truth and treaty and the history of this country, we're not really a one country. We're still a divided country and an angry country. And the country is still angry with the white people. The country hasn't healed. We've still got scars. We've still got blood on the ground. Mm. Definitely, aren't it? It reeks, as you mentioned before, it reeks of sort of, you know, uh, lies and and dispossession and and and, and all those things uh, that uh, has resulted in in them acquiring um, what they have and, and and us being left out with nothing. One thing I always say. The good thing about history is it tells us about our relationships, not just back then, but now, and 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 how our relationships continue to come through from when they first got here to now. You know, it's always been of a history of, you know, the colonizer and the colonized, or you know, it's always yeah. been a history, you know, uh, uh, and us and them in terms of how they treat us and and what they take from us and, and what they will, you know, they've never really given us anything. Our mob have always fought tooth and nail and, and bled and died for, for what we have today. But, yeah, one thing I always say is history always informs us and tells us about our relationships, you know, and all we've got to do is just look back throughout, throughout history through time, you know, where we can see all the pivotal points where, you know, they continue to to brutalise us and, and be who they are. And, you know, yep. um, history doesn't lie. No, it does not. It's a, and it's a sad history. And they wonder why some of our people are still angry over that history. And we will go to our graves being angry because the truth of the history is not being told. The one-sided history, and people believe what they wrote in their books. Even after they'd shot and slaughtered our people, the blood was still on their hands and they was writing lies in their books. And people don't understand that, you know. That's that's what needs to be told, you know. Mm. And the story of how they can go out and shoot a little Aboriginal baby, an innocent child, shoot that innocent child for its land mm. for fear that it would grow up and stand against them. Well, yeah, that's the thing that I love about our mob is that we've never, you know, as a collective people as a collective Aboriginal people over this nation turned around and gone, wait a minute, for what you done for us over the last two hundred and fifty years we're gonna do to you. You know, we said, no, nah, we just want to fix our own mob up. We yeah. Wanna, you, you know, we want to start living and some you know, uh, uh healthy and uh, and right and not being discriminated against and if something's wrong if something's happen happening to you that's not right, we'll stand and fight with you. You know, not once have we ever sort of turned around and said that yeah and, and and that's their and that's what plays on their conscious and on their mind they think that we're just like them we understand history they don't we're comfortable with our history and they're not they're the problems they've got to get over they've got to build that bridge or otherwise people are going to be talking your grandchildren and my grandchildren are going to be having this same conversation in 60 years time and they still they they're too proud to stand and say this was wrong and we've got to make change in this country. You know, we see when people are stripped of their land, our people, the richest people in the world, 
We had song, we had dance, we had art, we had culture, we were sustainable, we had boundaries, we had governance, we had all these things, and they come in and stripped us of that, and now some of our people are the poorest people in the world. And they're not helping. They're still keeping us like that. The government give us give our organisations just enough enough flour to live on, but not enough to, to get above that poverty line. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, just to, this back end of the yarn, uh, for anybody listening that doesn't know any history about Tasmania, wants to visit Tasmania, uh, sorry, excuse me, um, what would you say to them as you know, a proud Aboriginal person from that way? Uh, they're coming to your part of the world, Unc, and they, you know, should, you know, and, and, you know, like, as I was talking about before, you know, like, uh, people, tourists tend to forget, you know, the true history. So anybody that's listening that may want to visit, because, you know, I definitely want to visit Tasmania as well. What should we know about Tasmania? What should we know about the history down there and some of the places and some of the people who were seen as Tasmanian heroes? Well, look, I think that looking at history, uh, people need to understand the history before they come here and have a look at a bit of a bit of that. But certainly some of the things you need to have a think about is Cape Grim, um, uh, the east coast where our ancestors was, uh, the mountain. There's all these parts, um, uh, you know, some of the beautiful bays that our people lived in. And a lot of people live in the bays where our... It's no coincidence that a lot of people live where our people lived in the past. So I think... Uh, uh, you know, having a look at where the big flat up the Midlands, how our people had that flat bird off like a big paddock. And they, you know, they when they come here, they said it was like a Garden of Eden. It was burnt off. The kangaroos was there. Our people was harvesting the kangaroos. They drove their sheep in there, put put flags up on each corner of their block and decided it was theirs and drove our people up in the hills. So understanding that piece when you come down the Midlands from Launceston down to Ross, how our people lived on that and cared for that land for thousands of years and it was so sustainable and how those hills are bald now um, and there's no bush on them at all. How farming has changed and we'll, we'll see in another 100 years how sustainable their farming is. Mm. Well, you know, like that's another aspect of, of sort of the violent frontier that we don't necessarily hear about in terms of the, the scarring of the land. You know, uh, up on my country... It's known as the food bowl, you know, uh, in Gumaray yeah. country, known as the food bowl. So they've got, you know, and they've got, they've got cotton fields uh, yeah. all over, all over country. You know, they've got huge cattle uh, all over country. And then now mining as well. And we all know that these forms of agriculture is not sustainable. And if anything, it's, it, it's adding to the huge bushfires, adding to the huge floods that, you know, are happening in different parts of the country, uh, adding to sort of, you know, um, the irreversible sort of effects to, to our planet as well. And, you know, I, yep. I, I see that though, um, and I look at it in a different way. I think they stole the Mercedes 200 years ago and they haven't got the service manual for it and they don't know how to read the manual because it's not in their, their language and every day it's getting worse. And I think that, you know, and is the stolen Mercedes still stolen after 200 years? Mm. That's you know it's just worn down. 
yep. and yeah. it needs a service and they don't know how to do it. And I think, you know, that this here in Tasmania, we're going to suffer from a huge bushfire here in the next few years. Um, the build-up that's here is going to be horrendous and I fear for people here on what's going to happen in this country because we haven't been able to burn it as much as we used to be able to. And, you know, to think that we can change burning practices in a couple of years, it would take 50 years to get back to proper burning practices. Um, and people think that there's a magic bullet in in, um, in Aboriginal burning. Um, and the bullet, the magic bullet is over a period of time, not over, you know, two or three years. Mm. So I see that that's going to be a, a problem in Tasmania um, mm. in the near future. But that, that understanding the truth of history, but we haven't got, you know, to say to, to point to places where people should go, there's there's not a lot of places that, that there is that can recognise those places. Of course, it's all hidden. The history's hidden. You know, how many people know about the Black War in Tasmania? Not too many. How many schools teach about the Black War in Tasmania? Not too many. They all still use the word settlement. And my, just this week, my great nephew was arguing with the teachers at the local school here, the history teacher, about the truth of history. Um, and he was, I think he was seen as a bit of a problem child for what he'd said. Mm. He was telling, so still the history teachers today can't come to grips with the truth of history. Until we can do that, I think that we, you know, and we want, like you said, so we want to make that change. We want the truth of history and we'd be happy to tell the truth of history. But tell the truth of history from our side. Tell the truth of history of what happened to our people and how that will show where we've come from to where we need to go a bit better and to understand this country better than what we do today. And have, you know, and take those, you know, we need to start pulling down those statues of them terrible people and changing the names of that Batman Bridge and, and changing the name of some of them streets and the reason why and go into the parliament and have have um, yellow spotter tags on those old fellas that was organising to kill our people. They've got them up in parliament as their best people, you know. They're not the best people. They're a pack of bastards and murderers. Mm. No, definitely. I, you know, we need to sort of have this conversation about changing those names or yep. if not changing them, putting the real history right next to it. So when people look at that, the real history is right next to it and it says who they are, what they did, you know, where they did yeah. it and, and, and what they acquired while while doing it as well because... And the reason why they was doing it as well, they was doing it to take our land and they were stringing our people up and leaving our people laying dead to remind the others, you stand up against us and this is what's going to happen to you as well. Mm -hmm. I just want to say thanks for coming on and having a yarn. It's always good to yarn with you as well and always great to learn more about uh, Down That Way because you know, we don't tend to hear much from that way, uh, sadly, you know, um, we need to be learning more about, you know, the history of this country and, and, and the history where it went down uh, as well. Yep. So, And no, Bo, just on that, yep. I think that no place in Australia is, you know, is, is um, they're all the same. Where they murdered our people was, you know, on the same, on the same way. And when you murder people, it doesn't matter if it's in Tasmania or, or or the Coniston massacre, or wherever they massacred our people, our people suffered really badly from those things. So all those massacres right around Australia, they're all equal and they're all the same. 
some might have been a little bit different time, but the end consequences was exactly the same. So just to remind people that this, these things happened everywhere, Western Australia, Northern Territory, South Australia, and all over the, all over the country, Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria, and into the Torres Strait as well. Mm. So they're all the same, you know, people, murder is murder. It doesn't matter what state it's in, and the devastation of that is still the same. Definitely, it is. It is as well. And just really quickly, um, yeah. Thanks, you know, again Unc, for coming on, and also the listeners, you know, for continuing to support the podcast, uh, continuing to listen to it. As I've mentioned in the past, the podcast is well now over a hundred thousand downloads, which is amazing. Um, it gets used uh, as a resource uh, by teachers in, you know, schools. Uh, TAFEs and universities uh, you know I do appreciate that as well but also if you do want to uh, support the podcast further you can donate to the podcast you become a patron uh, all you have to do is just uh, go to uh, frontierwarstories.com uh, um, you google that and when you google that what comes up is sorry is Podbean. And when you're on that website, there's an option on your computer or your laptop in the top right-hand corner to become a patron, and you can do so via there, and you can donate uh, to the podcast uh, on a regular basis, how much you'd like, or you can go to PayPal uh, and donate there. Um, and the way you can, if you have an Instagram page, go to Instagram. Uh, the well, I have a I have an Instagram page called Frontier War Stories, and there's a link uh, to the PayPal where you can donate uh, as well. Um, this has been episode thirty. I've been yarning with Uncle Rodney Dillon. Uh, we've been yarning about uh, the true history of Tasmania. Uh, I do want to delve more into that down there, so I'll be chatting with a whole host of different mob down that way. And I want to continue doing this podcast uh, as much as possible. You know, I'd love to get to a hundred episodes or even or even more because I think you know we're you know. Um, we're not even scratching the surface in terms of uh, what has really happened uh, on this continent, um, where it's you know where it's happened, and and and, and how you know our mob continued to survive, and how our mob uh, continued uh, uh, to fight and uh, and be here today. You know, so that's something that I'm you know dedicating uh, myself and promising that I'll continue to do as well. So, as a as again, Unc, thank you uh, for coming on for a yarn. Also, Bo, thank you for organising this because unless we have people like you telling this story, this story doesn't get out. So as a young fella, you're a leader in this area. I congratulate you for doing that, mate.